Righty. Hope those questions are through. This is completely impromptu, so this is going to be fun. Um, we, I don't know. Are you guys going to just send them on the screen when you're ready? First one. So, Roscoe. <laughs> or Amy, how can I support my parents through their divorce? We might need both of you speaking into that one. Hmm. Um... So I would start by saying that um, it's not your responsibility to counsel your parents. It's not your responsibility to give them any sense of direction. All you're meant to do, I'm assuming you are a child, as in it's your parents, so you are their child, whatever your age is, your responsibility to them is really just to love them. Um, sometimes when there's a divorce or a separation, um, often children end up feeling some levels of responsibility to try and fix it and make it right, and that's not your responsibility. And then it starts to get really complicated and complex as a situation. And if you want to maintain any sense of relationship with your mom and dad, um, with them together or with them separated or divorced, my encouragement to you would be just Keep your love on towards them. Don't try and counsel them. Encourage them to get um, professional help. Yeah. Yeah. From, can I just jump in here? If you can answer. I think from my perspective, um, what I would say is look after your own heart in this process as well. It's so, it's so hard sometimes because, Amy, as Amy has said, there's, there's times where you feel semi-responsible, you feel like you want to get involved. Um, but yeah, it's not your place to get involved. And I would almost go to a certain degree, um, think about the boundaries you want to put in. Because so often, especially if you're close to one parent, they're going to want to use you as their, um, I don't want to Talk. call it like a dump session or vomit session. But um, then you get caught in the middle between two parents. And, and to then keep your love on towards both parents is really tough. So I would say watch your own heart in the process because no doubt there's going to be some resentment that's going to build towards your parents as much as you love them. Um, and so keep your own heart clear, keep short accounts in that. But I would say um, establish healthy boundaries where you go, I still get to be a, a child or your child in this. Um, I'm, I don't need to, I'm not a, on equal footing to you where now I'm your closest friend and I have to receive all of the junk that's going on between you two. Good. Yeah, you guys smashed that. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm doing a job for you. <laughs> um, right, next question. Hello, question. What happens when you married before you got saved and then got saved only to fall in love with someone else because your partner doesn't grow or stimulate you spiritually or mentally? Oh, Roscoe, that one is yours, my friend. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you're asking for a friend. Um, so, look, that's called marriage, uh, regardless of whether you were saved, unsaved, you made a commitment, and, uh, and Scripture calls us to live in that commitment, and uh, I mean, I don't know if I, I used this last week, but in arranged marriages, so arranged marriages, I know, I know they sound like the worst, most devilish idea ever. We would choose well for Grace and Jody. 
Anyway, but uh, in, in arranged marriages, the, the way the Jews think about it in Eastern Jewish thought is, is that marriage is like a bunch of ingredients being put on a pot and it boils over time. And so marriage gets better and better and better. And it gets better and better and better because as I invest in loving aims today, that investment added to tomorrow's investment, added to the next day's investment, eventually exponentially creates compound growth. And one day, I adore her because of how much I've loved her in the little bits getting up to it. So the person that you're married to, somewhere down the line, you're going to feel like this is the wrong person. And they're spiritually dead. You know, Scripture's really clear on that. It says, it says, if you're married to an unbelieving spouse, you sanctify them. You bring Christ into that relationship. You bring healing and wholeness, and the love of God comes through you. And so, so Scripture calls us to stay in it, because as you keep loving, you're going to find you love more. That's, that's the thing about marriage. And you can have phenomenal marriage, because your source is Christ, and this relationship God gives a grace in a relationship to love people in, in amazing ways. So I, I, w- I would say you, you don't have an out because, because you were married before you became a Christian. You, you have a calling now. You are Christ in this relationship. Do you want to add anything? It's quite heavy. Yeah. I'm just going to make it more heavy. <laughs> um, I was... We were obviously both saved when we started dating and got married. Um, There have been lots of days and weeks and months and years when I am no longer in love with my husband. (laughs) Shouldn't look at me so strongly right now. (laughs) And there have been times when my husband doesn't stimulate me spiritually and mentally. And so if that's what you're looking for... My encouragement to you, Ross, has preached on it before, but would, my encouragement to you would be to choose love and to grow yourself spiritually and mentally. Yeah. Because whoever you marry, there will be days and weeks and months and years when you are no longer in love with them, whoever you marry. And so unless you plan on continuing to change the person you're married to every year, <laughs> you might laugh. Those of you who are young, you're like, no, you fall in love, you're starry-eyed, I promise you. There will be years when you are no longer in love, and it is 100% a choice. And a lot of days you don't even want to make the choice because you like them that little. I love you, baby. (laughs) But if you want to know the truth, if you want to know how you can experience a full life, it is by choosing love, not by falling in love, and by stimulating yourself spiritually and mentally so that you become the one someone else wants to be married to. Mm. Thanks, guys. Um, good answers. Uh, I think the only thing I would add to that is, is just be clarify the bottom line here is that it doesn't matter whether you're married or single or whatever, your spiritual and mental growth is up to you and you alone. Like you, you can't be dependent on other people for that. This is a, a you and Jesus deal. Um, and, and it's going to have to remain that way. The only other thing I would say is that the tables will turn at some point. Yes. There'll be a point where you are not growing anymore and you don't want to grow and your, your spouse is. And then it's going to be time to return the favor for them. 
Um, and so um, just remember, this is not your, your situation that you're in now is not permanent. There's going to be a spiritual low for you, and chances are it might even coincide with a spiritual high for them. Okay. Cool. Right, next question. Good questions. How do you break sexual bondage from past relationships? This is a goodie. Oh, you got the question there. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ames has no context for it, uh, so I'll answer. Uh, she's, she was a geek, so she, uh, she no, no, she, she just kept herself pure for me. Uh, <laughs> You're a chop. <laughs> I deserve that. It was fun. Um, so, okay, so, so forgiveness is freely given. Repentance is work, all right? So, uh, for example, I, I came out of quite a few sexual relationships when I got married, and I was at disadvantage in our sexual union. In Ames' sexual union, she wasn't comparing this to anyone. She wasn't thinking about, like, having flashbacks, thoughts, nothing. She had a pure, free, absolute, beautiful intimacy. I was working through stuff. Now, the way you break sexual bondage from the past, if sometimes there's a spiritual aspect that you literally need to be delivered from, that does sometimes happen. For the most part, it's a case of resisting and renewing your mind. Resisting thoughts that are coming flying into your mind, whether they're from Satan, yourself, whatever. Like, literally, the, the Word of God says, we take captive thoughts that are disobedient to the knowledge of God. So thoughts that, that are pulling us in wrong directions. And by taking those captive and going, no, I'm not going to dwell on you. I'm going to re-engage in purity and in loving my one bride. And if you're single, in, no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going I'm to have a strategy to change what I'm thinking about because that thing in marriage, it's going to hurt. You know, all you have to do is chat to people who've got porn addictions or had porn addictions in marriage. Now, they're trying to make love to their wife or to their husband, and they're thinking about 45 different people. The pain is not just for the spouse when they find out. The pain is for them because they can't engage deeply in the intimacy of lovemaking. And we almost, as Christians, uh, one guy said, porn is, is being discipled by the devil in sex. It will land up in hurt, emptiness, etc. We, as Christians, have to get to the place where we value sexual intimacy so much that we go, I'm going to fight to be free in this space so that when we make love, I'm completely engrossed in you and you're completely engrossed in me. And that is, that is what we're fighting for. This is the beauty of it. So you do it through repentance. God forgive me. I, I literally, if, if I have a thought, I literally will keep that thought in my mind and ask Jesus to just put his blood over it. And once I see the blood, I can't see the image anymore. It just, it just frees me. But I've got a strategy. You need a strategy to help you deal with these thoughts so that you're resisting and, t and repenting. So good. Lovely. Yep. I would just say find someone that you trust 
who you know has a deep relationship with Jesus and ask them to pray with you and um, bring it into the light with your spouse, if you need to, if you're married, or with someone that you can trust. Good. I was going to add the same thing. So that's cool. Next one. Is it wrong to be bisexual? He silenced me. Oh, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really poor timing. (laughs) So the answer to this question is really long. Um, And so uh, I will try to do it. You know, whenever you do a a quick answer to a very big question, uh, you never do it justice. So we are going to readdress this in a few weeks. But but here's the thing. We believe there are two worldviews that will shape how you answer this. The one is, uh, an atheist view is, we are the result of evolution, and it was, so there is no design. Okay? So we weren't designed. We evolved. We, We therefore make decisions to survive as a human race and to enjoy our lives. All right? So that's one worldview. Our worldview as Christians would be God created us in his image and therefore had purpose to the design. So he says, right in Genesis 2, uh, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two shall become one. So in that, we see husbands made in the image of God, wives made in the image of God. They're made different and separate, and they come together in heterosexual unity. Now, the fall happened. Stuff got broken. In fact, in Matthew 19, if you, if you read the text, it, it talks about eunuchs. Now, eunuch is someone who either can't have sex or chooses not to have sex, who abstains from anything sexual. And he says there were three reasons that they became eunuchs. Some were made eunuchs by men. That would be castration or other, which happened a lot in the Roman world. Some, he says, chose to be eunuchs. So, so they went, I'm going to keep myself from sexual activity. And um, what was the third one? Sorry, let me just read Matthew 19, otherwise it'll go south. It's Orkies. You can fill in the gap. No, I'll wait for you. It's mine's a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he says... For there are eunuchs who are born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. So, so there are eunuchs who are born that way. That would be, in Jesus' language, people who were born with both sex organs, happens, the result of the fall. People who were born with different sexual preferences, same sex, trance, that kind of stuff. People who were, who were born not wanting sex. Born that way, made that way, castration, etc., or choose to be single for the sake of the kingdom, to choose to abstain. All three of those people are dealing with stuff because we all want deep intimacy. I mean, the word sex, it comes from to be separated, 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 to be separated. And so what are we wanting? Sex is bringing the separate back together. We long for it. God put that desire inside of us. But Jesus goes, man, this is hard for some people. This is incredibly painful. 
the amount of people who are same-sex attracted, it's, it's a huge amount of people. Here's what the research also shows, though, that people with same-sex attraction, they, because our brains are plastic, change. So they can change to be heterosexually attracted. Some will struggle for the rest of their lives, as will many struggle with lust for other partners. Many will struggle in so many other ways of your life. But is it okay to be bisexual? It is flipping hard to love Jesus with all your heart and have same sexual preferences and both sexual preferences. It is so difficult. And if you are that person or if you have friends who are those people, man, I am so sorry for the struggle you're in. It is so hard. But I know that my Father loves you so much that there will be grace either to be single in that or to find healing and wholeness and find marriage, there is testimony after testimony after testimony of, of the journey that people go through. It is incredibly difficult. But the, ans- the real answer is, is that God calls us to only have intimacy with an heterosexual marriage. That's, that's what the Bible says. And guys, because this is such a short, like, quick answer, you're going to have to, if, like, if you're struggling with it, please don't put me on social media on this, rather have a conversation so that I can actually engage because there's a whole lot more that I could speak to. Is that right? Is that fair? We're going to pay fair. Yes, love you. (laughs) Roscoe, thank you for that. Thanks for your um, answer. Um, And then you mentioned that we are actually going to be talking into this. We're going to address it in about five weeks' time, I think. Okay, cool. So, yeah, if you really want to dig in, then... Yeah, either talk to him or, um, or, or come along in about five weeks' time. Next answer. Question, sorry. <laughs> Question. <laughs> How do Too I nice. break up with my girlfriend politely? Wow. Amy, yeah, I think we need to hear a woman's perspective on this. I want to know who you are. <laughs> and I want to hurt you. Uh. Um, you, don't, you don't put it as a public question. <laughs> Especially if she's sitting right next to you. <laughs> okay, I'll help my wife because my wife's angry. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding. Guys, so you will get, if you're dating well, to connect, understand, to know if this is, is something more in this, then you're obviously going to get to stages where you're going like, this is, this is not a good idea. We, uh, this, we're not aligned. This isn't going where I want it to go. And sooner mm. is the best mm. thing. Go as fast as you can. Why? Because Scripture says that we should treat older women like mothers, younger women like sisters, and vice versa. And the thinking is this. We protect my sole desire is to protect. You don't protect by stringing the person along because you don't have the, to break up. Yeah. The way you do it is you go, man, I've loved this, this, this in the relationship, but I know in my soul that we're, we can't move forward and I want to end this 
fast so that it doesn't cause any more hurt. That is how you do it. Now, the other person sits there with all their rejection, and they go, but what did I do wrong? That's where it go, this goes south. It doesn't go south on the first part. It goes south on the second part. <laughs> we, we never break up, don't worry. Well, I should hope not. <laughs> Friends, you protect. You protect. This isn't where you self-justify and tell them all the things wrong with them. You can say, man, this and this, I don't think we could work together on. Man, I really struggled with this thing inside of your life. But you do not hurt. The goal is in everything we do, love protects. How do I protect this person? Now, if the person has serious disorders, then what you say to them is you say, man, I really feel like you need to heal in these areas of your life. Not for me, for you and God. The worst thing possible, all of you, is if someone breaks up with you and tells you where you need to heal, for you to go away to heal in that area so that you'll get them back. That's a disaster. Please never do that for you, for them. Do it for you. Heal for you, and you will be a great gift to someone. But don't heal up for another person yeah. other than you. Yeah. Cool. Phew, this is getting heavy. Yeah, there's, there's not a, a complete answer to that, is there? I think the only thing I would say on top of that is if you have dated in a way which holds on to honor and respect, if you have dated in a way which goes, this is not just my girlfriend, this is uh, God's daughter, and treated her accordingly, then the breakup... You're not going to avoid complete hurt, but it should be easier. If you have not respected her, if you have um, gone down sexual roads that you shouldn't have, this is going to get a lot harder for you. Maybe seek some help. Cool. How many questions do we have left? Just quickly checking. A lot. Let's go, go, go. Okay, let's go as many as we can. We'll go fast. Can, can, you, date? Yeah. can you date someone who's not a Christian? I'm just going to fly. We're just yep. going to fly through this. Obviously, you can. It's called flirt to convert. Uh, but uh, <laughs> any, any people in business ever go into business with a person with a different vision? Any, any, anyone ever do that? You know how that ends? Tears. Okay, here's why this ends in tears. Because your faith, if you're a Christian, your identity, like who you are, is a child of God. Your purpose is linked to being a Christian. Your entire life, your worship session that you have in the morning is about praising Jesus. All of that with a non-Christian, they just, you get very, very lonely in marriage. It is one thing to be single and lonely. It is a whole nother ball, cake, ball game, ball cake, something, ball game <laughs> to be married and lonely. There is potentially nothing more painful than married and lonely. If you land up in a marriage where you've got there, the scripture calls us to stay in it. So count the cost. 
like, you can date and go on a journey as they kind of suss out Christianity and, and work out where that goes, but it's not wise. And so I would, I would say to you, just like, think 10 years down the line. Is that where I want to be? Do I want to be lonely in marriage? Good answer. Next, <laughs> next question. How do you know if someone is using God's word or their relationship to manipulate you when you're in a relationship? Anonymous. <laughs> you could probably answer this. Yeah. Bubble, bubble dots. That's what we call them. Like bubble dots. They're just like sneakily use scripture. Fruit. Love. God. Well, I was just going to say, you know that someone's using God's word to manipulate, manipulate you if they're quoting God's word to you <laughs> to get you to try and change in a way that will benefit them primarily. Mm. That makes sense. Like Ross said, the reason we want to change is firstly, always to honor God. Secondly, actually to be healthy ourselves, healthy and whole ourselves. Um, and then to honor the people around us with ourselves and our gifts and what's inside. Um, yeah. So I think, I mean, what you guys shared on this morning around, um, around you can't change anyone. Mm. So maybe just open that up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, God calls us to, each one of us, to be powerful in and of ourselves. He says, I've not given you a spirit of fear. I've given you a spirit of love, power, and sound mind, or self-discipline, or along those lines, self-control. And so, we are never, as believers, called to control anyone else or manipulate anyone else. As soon as you're talking about controlling and manipulating, you're now partnering with the spirit of fear. And so if that is going on in the relationship, then I'd go, that's, that already is alarm bells. That's like massive alarm bells. Um, Amy, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, but what I would say, and this sounds like a little bit of a jab, but if you want to know if someone's using God's word to manipulate you, you're going to have to know God's word. <laughs> like, oh. I'm, I'm serious. Like, like, like how, how are we going to know whether God's word is being used correctly or not in that situation unless we're studying it ourselves? So where this goes south is in parent-child relationships. Um, and parent-child doesn't mean it has to be a parent and a child. But where someone is, is trying to force change in you, there's something wrong. So, so how I preach is how I preach to my kids. Is how I, I would chat to Ames. It would be like, hey, I think this scripture means this. Hey, have you thought about this? If I was to address my daughter dating a non-Christian, it would be like this conversation. I'd say, hey, babe, let's look at this scripture. What do you think this means? That's healthy. Mm. What is unhealthy is the Bible says this, and you are doing that. You're sinning against God, and you need to change. What that doesn't allow for is a journey for the other person to take responsibility for their own sin, be convicted by the Holy Spirit, and change. So, conversations, fantastic. Sneakily digging, you know when you're being manipulated. You just learn to handle that, because life will be full of people trying to manipulate you. So just up your boundaries. Yeah, just if you're asking that question, you're probably being manipulated. <laughs> so. Most simple answer at the end. I love that. Yeah, yeah. 
fantastic. If you just started by there, we'd be on the next question. <laughs> <laughs> right. How do you know if you're called to singleness? So I'll quickly tell a story. I am... Um, when I was a youth pastor, I prayed this prayer. In, in Genesis, um, God puts Adam to sleep whilst he makes Eve. So I said, God, please put me to sleep in this season of my life because I knew that I wasn't, my character wasn't strong enough to live a godly life in a relationship. I'd come out of messy relationships, and I literally wanted to be healed and whole. And so I asked God for that, and I had a grace on me. I just, I was like a little bit dwarf. I just wasn't attracted. I wasn't, God gave me a grace. Now, if you're called to singleness, there will be a grace on you. You'll just feel like, man, I'm not driven by all the desires that everybody around me is driven by. They seem to be, they seem to be on something. I'm just happy the way I am. And if that's you, man, I want to high five you. It is awesome. Yeah. Paul says it's better yeah. to be single so that you can live for Christ than to be married. If you're living single and you have that calling on your life, go find other people like that and care for them because culture doesn't know how to do singles well. Yeah. And, and you can be unbelievably potent yeah. for the kingdom. And honestly, in this church, if you tell me that you called to a life of celibacy and singleness, I'm going to celebrate you like you are the best. Like, it's just awesome. We need to get around that and celebrate it a whole lot more. Because Paul kind of calls it a higher calling. Yeah. And Jesus lived it. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Good answer. Next one. If you have been intimate with a partner before, is it possible to go back on that? change the tone of a relationship, and continue dating? Um, I'm going to assume to go back on that, it means to stay in the relationship. Mm. Cool. Yes, absolutely. Just, it's going to be hard. Mm. So, don't try and do it on your ace. You're going to need help. Yeah. You're going to need a community around you. You may need pastoral input, you're going to need support to bring sanctification into that relationship. Because once you open the damn wall, like, it's really, really hard to pull it back. Yeah. And so, well done for wanting to. Yeah. It is very achievable. It just requires a little bit of a support network to get through this. It, it requires repentance and it requires God's grace in this area. Mm. But, man, well done. Because the Holy Spirit is, if you're even asking the question, the Holy Spirit is working something inside of you to bring you into holiness. And so, high five. Awesome. Cool. Do you want to add anything? The, the get help part for me is a, is a big one. Um, and I, I've really appreciated working with some couples already who have gone, we want to get this right, and, and please help us. And, and so, uh, it's, it's probably one of the, Markers for me in going, this marriage is potentially, or the, the potential marriage here could actually be a beautiful thing, especially if God does a work of redemption in them and they're able to walk it through, walk the rest of the journey till marriage and purity. Um, so well done for that if you guys are fighting that fight hard. Well done. I would maybe just add um, Galatians 5.22. 
So those of you who have been Christians for a little while might know the scripture. So if you do, you can say it out loud with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So it's going to require self-control. And the beautiful thing about that scripture is that it's not a work that you have to do. You have to make a choice. So Tim spoke about getting some help and getting some support and getting people around you. But it's a choice that's going to require your commitment and you being very intentional with where you put yourself, places that you guys go together, some practicalities. But the really good news, the scripture says, is that it's evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so it's not something that you have to try and make happen, but the deeper you tuck into God, essentially the more self-control you will have. And then things like that will become easier. Cool. Um, how many questions left? Still okay, lots. Two or three more. Two or three more. Go, go. Okay. How can you lean back into love again when you've experienced a previous breakup a few years ago that's made you afraid of getting hurt again, but you know that you deserve a beautiful kind of love? When you've experienced a previous mm. breakup? Uh, firstly, I'm so sorry. Man, it hurts yeah. so much when you have experienced that kind of breakup. I, I would say this. Um, healing, you will know you're healed because you're not afraid anymore. You will have gone, I understand what happened. I understand what it was in me that allowed the relationship to go there. And I understand what it was in them that hurt and broke my heart. And I've put it to rest. I've taken it to the cross. I've asked God for healing. I, I see the world more clearly now. And, um, and so I wouldn't try and fast track your healing so that you can get into a relationship. I would say work, work that until it's, it's done. Now, it's not that you'll never have a fearful thought. You will. But... But there will be a sense of, of confidence. Um, mm. Yeah, go for it, Tim. Yeah, so from my side, um, I just picked up on that healing side straight away as well, going, there's got to, forgiveness needs to have completed its work. Um, and, and you need to be able to allow God into that space to heal it as well. The main thing I want to point out is going, how can you lean back into love again? This morning I spoke into leaning into Christ's love first. And allowing that to define you, that is the thing that fills you. That is the thing that um, defines who you are. That's where you get your sense of security. That's where you're going to get all of that so that you can give love. Um, and I would say it's very similar in this case here. You, you want to be well deep in the love of Jesus and in the security that that brings um, to be able to move into relationships. Um, and possibly the, the next step for me from there would be when you feel like you can, with integrity, bless the person who caused you pain when you broke up, yeah. Very good. then you're whole and healthy and ready to love someone else well again. Awesome. One more. <laughs> How do you get your partner, the woman, to listen? Editor's note, clearly a guy is asking. Thanks. We didn't pick that up, but, but thanks for that. Um. <laughs> oh. 
this feels like it might have to be a personal one-on-one conversation. Come find me afterwards. <laughs> He's going to take a stab at this. So look, a person who doesn't listen has no empathy. Don't date them. Mm. Amen. <laughs> Next question. Yeah. I, I, whoa. <laughs> Can we go back there quickly? I'm trying to decide whether I want to say this or not. You can say it, Tim. Let's speak to the guys quickly. How are you speaking to them? Seriously. Like, like is it honor and respect? Are you treating them like a daughter of God? And make sure that your intention towards them, again, is not trying to change them and getting them to do what you want to do. Because that's control. Uh, and that's, not, that's just not okay. So if you, in any way, if she's not listening to you by meaning she's not doing what you want. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going, sorry about that. <laughs> but, but have an open conversation and talk more about how you're feeling about something than what she should be doing. Okay. One more. How does the church handle its relationship with queer saved individuals today without pushing people out of the love of God, without discrimination and making them feel like they are sin? Such a good question. Mm. So, um, we're all broken. If you're not, you're probably in the wrong church. Um, you should belong in heaven. Uh, we're, we're all broken. And, um, and there's a spotlight on this at the moment, yeah. on, on people in LGBTQ spaces, that is basically a big reaction, not just to the church, but to culture um, that has literally ignored, mm. oh, has done all kinds of horrible yeah. to them. Mm. How does the church deal with it? Well, in, in some of the same ways we deal with everything else that's broken. And we, we love the person and we, we call the sin, we, we call them back to God's intent, but often we don't expect that to happen like this. It's a journey. So if the church is not prepared to walk people on the journey as they explore, then we're completely missing it. Um, we've got to walk with people often who've been gone through enormous amounts of pain just to even walk into a church. And so a lot of the church's repentance is going, man, how do I sit and listen and feel your pain and hear your world and the struggles you have and love you even though I don't agree with you? You can, you can do that. Yeah. That's what we're called to do. Now, if we get into a fight on right and wrong, then that's not going to do anyone any good because then just everyone gets stronger in their opinions. We, we do have to have uh, this is what the Bible says in these spaces. But what I've personally found, um, I... I my best friend at school was gay, and I only found out afterwards. And it sent me backwards hugely, because I, I didn't know how to reprocess 
my, my high school, and, uh, and I think I was partly homophobic, to be honest. And then I had to start building relationships. Some, one of my best friend's brothers was gay, and I had to work out how, that, how to engage in that relationship. And to be honest, it's taken me years to get to the place where actually now I'm completely comfortable in my own skin and enough to love and empathize and hear and, and understand and go, cool, let's go on a journey together exploring what Christ has for you in life. I think the church has to get there, has to get there fast. I think young people are on the, on the side of tolerance as opposed to the side of love. Love goes, here's what God's called you to, and I'm going to walk with you. I'm not going to judge you, but I'll, I'll bring truth in. Tolerance goes, you be you and I'll be me. And I don't think that's love. And I think we as a church need to go on the journey of love. And it, it'll probably land us in some pain as we go, but I'm in for it if you are. Yeah, I would maybe maybe just say a little bit to um, echo that, but my hope would be you've also referenced the church there, which is a um, international body, which is very massive. But for this church, my hope would be that we could welcome in anybody from any sexual preference, and that in the same way that many people in this room make choices daily that hurt us and that cause pain in our lives in various ways that we could make space together as a community where we can journey with one another in love and help to point each other to a, way that, to a space that brings health and healing and wholeness. Although I'm, gonna, I'm not going to add to the answers there, I'm going to pick up on something different, which is without discrimination and making they, them feel like they are sin. And, um, and at no point, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about about sexual preferences, or if we're even talking about other sin habits, like, like, it's, I mean, if it's, um, you're an alcoholic, all right, we're not going to go, you are now alcoholism, and you are drunk, no, no, your behavior, we separate people and separate behavior, like, you must understand that, that we've got to see you for who God created you to be, we're not going to see you for what you do, Absolutely. Um, and that's really, really important, shame would tell you, you now are this thing, you know, and, um, and unfortunately, legal systems around the world will go, you are now this thing. So if you're in jail for murder, you are a murderer, and that is that. But God renews, and God changes, and God restores. And so um, at no point do we ever want to label people or categorize them by their behavior. We categorize them according to who God made them to be, and behavior is separate to that. Okay. We're wrapping up. Another question. Okay. One, one, more. one more. This is the last one. What does it look like to pray for the one? Is there a prayer to pray or is there a right way, right way to pray for a spouse? Do we refer them to preach one or preach two? I can't remember. Was it preach two? <laughs> one girl was listening. <laughs> I'll let you handle that. Yeah, just... Pray that God makes you into the one, because you'll be like a magnet to the one. Mm. That's all. <laughs> There's nothing else to really say. For the sake of time and ending on a good note, I will leave it there. <laughs>
I think for me personally, it's um, I, I don't believe in the one, if I'm honest. Um, I don't believe that there is one that God designed for you. Um, in Scripture, I can't remember the references, Old Testament, but, but God speaks to the Israelites and going, choose for yourself wives, which means you get to choose. God hasn't appointed one specifically, and now fate, by fate you've got to find that person. I don't believe that at all. I think you get to choose based on who the other person is and on their character and whether they're following Jesus and whether you're going to be able to glorify God in that marriage. So um, I'm, going to, I'm going to leave it at that point. Um, but I would say please go back and watch the first two Sunday preachers from this series because we cover that in detail. Cool. Cool. I'm just going to pray for you. Because the grace of God is so big, there is no sin too big. There is no struggle that he cannot empathize with. And there is no person here who needs to be alone. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit of love and grace touches and surrounds and covers and heals and restores and brings into complete holiness and freedom every person here because your grace is big enough. And so I pray, Lord, that, that people here who maybe just came in tonight and this is all quite foreign. I pray, God, your grace into their hearts and minds. And I pray, Lord, that this church will be full of love and freedom. In Jesus' name. And last prayer, Lord, make marriages in this church that are anchors to communities. Amen. May God bless you. Thank you for bearing with us for a long time. It has been awesome being with you. I pray that bless you.